All right, everyone, welcome to today's podcast. And today we are talking about how you cannot be perfect and learn at the same time. So this is especially for you perfectionists out there that wanna lose weight because you're setting yourself up for failure because you're trapping yourself, right? Because how do you think you're gonna lose weight, right? You have this misunderstanding that you know what you need to do and you just need to get yourself to do it. And perf you know any mistakes are not an option, right? If you're gonna do it, you're gonna be perfect. But I'm here to tell you, you don't know how to be thin. You don't know how to do it. If you did, you'd be doing it. I know how to be thin. I'm thin because <laughs> I live a certain way and I do all the things, okay? You probably don't. And so it's a process of learning. And you let me know the last time you were able to learn something where you didn't have to make mistakes in order to learn it, okay? And so what I'm telling you is that you have to change your mindset here. You have to allow yourself to make mistakes, to learn from them, to grow, and to make less and less mistakes over time. But you're not gonna start on day one and be perfect. Well, maybe you will, right? Because that's the diet mindset. Um, you can be perfect a little bit, but you're gonna make mistakes very quickly. And if you think that the second you make a mistake, ah, I blew it, I was doing so good and now I screwed up, then you'll never get anywhere with it. You know, you'll just keep repeating that initial phase over and over and over and over again, um, which may be what you're doing already, okay? So you have got to change the way you're approaching this and allow yourself to make mistakes and allow yourself to learn and to grow from them so that you teach yourself how to live and act and become a thin person, right? Because you don't know how to do it. You have an idea what you should do, but having an idea what you should do and being able to do it are two totally different things, right? So just to drive the point home, you know how to write with your hands, right? You know how to write, but can you do it with the other hand? You see, so that information, that knowledge, that understanding of how you write is not turn into behavior. You need to practice it. And if you practiced it with your other hand, you'd make mistakes. You wouldn't be able to do it right away. And it's the same thing with the weight loss. Yeah, you have general ideas about what you should do. I, I understand that. But being able to do them is a completely different process. And you have to open yourself up to that. And that is basically saying, forget the diets, you know, because the diets are built around this idea that you're gonna be perfect on day one, all the way to reach your goal weight. And how many times has that happened for you? How many times following that plan has it worked for you that you got into your goal weight and stayed there? You know? And how many times have you started on the diet, gotten through a day, couple days, maybe a couple weeks, and then you made a mistake and then you were completely back to where you were? You know? So this is what I'm saying. It's time to look at what you've done, realize that this is one of the core problems, is that you think you're gonna be perfect and that you need to be perfect in order to get your goal and to realize that no, this is a process of learning of growing, of evolving into a better version of you, a different version of you, one that knows things and does things differently than the current version of you. And so it's impossible to say, I'm just gonna be perfect the whole way. You know, okay, let's bring it one other direction. Let's say you want to learn piano. You're a perfectionist. Well, you think you're always gonna be perfect, you're never gonna make mistakes with the keys. If you are so fixated on not making mistakes, what happens is you slow your progress down at, at best. And at worst, you never make any progress because you never allow yourself to make mistakes. You're so scared of them, okay? So embrace your mistakes. Recognize that mistakes are just signposts along the path of mastery and change. And when it comes to weight loss, you do not know how to be a thin person if you're not thin. You have general ideas about it. And it's the process of practicing becoming the person who you wanna be is really what weight mastery is all about. And that process is constantly, constantly littered with mistakes. 
So stop trying to avoid them and embrace them and want to make the mistakes faster and faster and faster so that you can learn from them and grow and evolve into that person that you want to be. But if you're trying to walk that path scared to death that you're going to make a mistake and the second you make a mistake, it completely throws you off track. Well, now you can see with new eyes that that is the biggest part of the problem for you and why you've been stuck. Okay, so grow and learn to become the person you want to be, to lose the weight. Right? It's not just enough to say, oh, I got to stop eating carbs. I got to stop eating for 10 hours a day. That's what I got to do. No, you have to learn how to think, how to feel, how to behave, how to live, and ultimately how to eat like a thin person. And that's a process of learning. And so you can't be perfect and learn at the same time. So internalize that, accept it, and put yourself on the path of learning and growth and evolution. And you're going to find that not only is it more effective, it brings you to the goal a lot better and quicker than the, uh, the other way, but it's actually enjoyable because you get to become and grow and evolve into the person who you want to be. Okay, it's a fun process. All right. Um, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. Hey, Victoria, how you doing? Um, Lone Ranger, how do we fight the temptation to eat things that aren't as healthy from a mindset perspective? That's a great question. I'll go, go through that. Let me just... It's the first it's the first hot day here in Massachusetts. Uh, and when I say hot, it's like 80 degrees. It's very strange. Um, but uh, so I got my fan on me, but I think I think it might have been blown right in the microphone. So. <laughs> uh, speaking of mistakes, I'm scared to listen to the micro the audio of this afterwards. It might just sound like a bunch of wind. Um, so anyways, yeah. How do you fight the temptation to eat things that aren't as healthy? Um, two two step process. The first one is that you want to manage your hunger. OK, so again again this speaks right to the, the diet mindset a lot of people with weight loss just assume the hungrier they are the better right the hungrier they are the faster the weight's coming off um but it's the opposite because the hungrier you are the less you can deal with temptations right <laughs> when you're really hungry every part of your being every cell all your sense organs are all fixated on eating food okay and so you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you have to fight against that you want to strategically manage that by keeping yourself um, again, in my program, we talk about the, the hunger scale. We want to keep ourselves in a place where we're not starving. We're not stuffed either, but we're in a place where we're, we're comfortable. And from that place, it's a lot easier to make better food choices. Now, the second thing is a mindset piece. And that mindset piece is that this, this is the main thing I, I work to install in my, my people in my program, is that subconsciously when you think about foods, especially tempting foods, you make a movie in your mind. And that movie is very short. It's you getting the food eating the food and that's it and so it's basically just the consumption of the food you eating it tasting on your tongue chewing it swallowing it eating it that pleasurable part okay but there's a consequence that follows always always okay and the consequence is not the weight gain that's too far that's not very motivating if we focus on that i'm talking about the consequence that follows five ten minutes after we finished eating that's mental and emotional so if you start paying attention to when you give in to the temptations, you eat the foods that are bringing you away from your weight loss goals, and you notice how you're thinking and feeling five, 10 minutes after that, what you're gonna notice is there's a natural negative consequence that follows eating those tempting foods in the wrong place. So again, there's no good or bad foods. There's only foods that move you towards your goal and foods that move you away from your goal, right? So I'm not saying like, like bad foods, you shouldn't eat these. I'm saying if you have a goal of losing weight because you want to become healthier, you're worried about type 2 diabetes, you're worried about your heart, then learning how to deal with temptations is really important. And so if you went and eat the cookies and the ice cream or whatever the stuff that you're eating is, five, 10 minutes after that, you're, what are you saying in your head? 
you're saying, oh my God, why did I do that again? Oh, I'm never going to be able to change this. I'm going right towards type 2 diabetes. Oh, I'm never going to lose this weight. It's a negative state, a negative consequence that follows. So the more mindset-wise, when you look at the temptation, what most people do is, again, they're thinking about the consumption of it, and that's raising the desire for it. And then they're expecting they're going to use their willpower to fight against that desire. What I would suggest instead is that you change the way you're thinking about that food. Because, yes, it is a consumption. There is pleasure there. Everything's good and bad. The food's good and bad. But we're programmed to just think about the good part. But the bad part follows five, ten minutes afterwards, if even that long. And it's mental and emotional. It's how you feel about yourself. It's how you think about yourself when you keep giving into the temptations. You feel weak. You feel less than. You feel like, I'm never going to fix this. I'm always going to be overweight. I'm going to be sick. I'm going to have diabetic. And this, this starts. And so as you start to fixate on the consequences of it, what happens is it decreases the desire. And so you're not relying on willpower so much. So, so that's a good strategy to use to deal with temptations. All right. Um, how many days a week do you go live? Um, yeah, usually five, four, five. You know, it seems, it seems to be the, the, the ballpark, you know. Um, is it bad to earn? Is it bad to earn? I don't know what that means. I love earning. <laughs> it's so hard. Where do I begin? I'm an overthinker, but my thoughts are really scary. Okay. Um, I'm glad you asked that. I would say <laughs> the one thing that defines the people in my program and myself is that we are all overthinkers right? Constantly, constantly thinking. And so I put it this way, that it's like you were born with like this, like a sports car, but you never learned how to drive it, right? So you just drive it and it'll pull faster. And so same brain here, when I was 50 pounds heavier, binge drinking, miserable, same brain now where I'm in the exact same way for 30 years and, you know, thriving in, in a lot of ways. So it's not, it's not the overthinking, it's the what you're overthinking. And um, yeah, that's the process. So program yourself then is really about the mental programming. What are you mulling over constantly, right? Because I can tell you right now, because I, I know this, is that you're mulling over a lot of problems. Like you're, you're mulling over what's wrong with me? How come I can't do this? Why don't I ever do the right things? Why do I keep eating the wrong shit? Why can't I stick to something healthy? Am I always going to be overweight? I can't do, you know, it's all these types of questions you're asking and you just keep mulling them over and it just reinforces the problem more and more and more. Um, so I'll tell you that the simplest place to start uh, is to start asking solution-oriented questions. What do I want to have happen? How do I want to look? How do I want to feel? How do I want to live? Who do I want to be? How can I make that happen? And so when you start overthinking on those questions, because 95% of your thinking is in response to questions that you're asking. And most of the questions you're asking are problem-oriented ones that are just sending you in the wrong direction. So as you start asking more solution-oriented questions about what you truly want to accomplish and how you want to do it, and you start obsessing on those, um, you start coming up, it, it brings you in a total opposite direction. You know, you use that overthinking for good as opposed to for being bad. So I hope that helps. Hey, from Boston. All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm over uh, Western Mass, right right uh, outside of Greenfield. I don't know if you know that. Right, right below the Vermont border. So that's awesome. Yeah, Boston. I used to live there. Love Boston. Um, is it bad to eat after a certain time or what's best? Thanks. Yeah, I, I like that question. Now, you know, studies kind of show a little bit incl inconclusive, you know, a, a calorie during the day versus a calorie at night doesn't make any difference in terms of turning into fat and all that. I, I've seen stuff kind of inconclusive with it. But what I will say is that if you eat at night, the, okay, so whenever your bedtime is, you really want to get as much time as possible between bedtime and when you last eat, right? Because never mind what the calories do to you at night and, and all that stuff. But what, what the main thing I want to think about is, is your sleep, 
You know, your, your sleep is crucial for this whole process. And the more you eat closer to when you go to bed, usually the worse you're going to sleep simply because digestion is one of the biggest uses of energy in your body. Okay. And so if you eat a bunch, and I used to do this, right? I used to snack all night long and I go to bed and I used to say, oh, I'm such a shitty sleeper. I sleep hot. I'm always hot. I'm always tossing and turning. I never sleep well, right? Never put the two together. Um, but what happens when you eat a lot of food before you go to bed is you're ready, your body, you want to rest, right? And, and sleep and your body, it's like it's running a marathon trying to digest all this food. And a secondary effect is that digestion increases core body temperature. And what triggers you to go to sleep is your core body temperature actually lowers a couple degrees, okay? And so the, the main thing for me, never mind the calorie part, is that the closer you eat to bed, there's a good chance that the shittier your sleep's going to be. And once your sleep's kind of asleep, again, that's the number one lifestyle factor I always point to for people that want to lose weight. Because if you're not sleeping proper, losing weight is, is way harder for, for a number of reasons. You know, sleep's affecting almost everything in terms of your weight loss. Physically, mentally, and emotionally, you know, very difficult if you're not getting proper sleep. So again, I would I would look to not me personally. I really work a lot at increasing the time between um, bed and when I last ate. So now I usually stop eating six seven o'clock at night, and I don't eat the next day till seven eight in the morning. And what that does, and it took some getting used to. I want to be clear about that. But now when I sleep, I, I sleep wonderfully um and that's a big part of it because like i was saying all of a sudden when i stopped uh you know eating at night i slept great you know my, my body temperature was cooler and i slept better you know so so that's the big thing about time that i think that's how i interpret it um oh, okay your hometown of boston all right you're not living there anymore yeah boston's so fun I, i'm a huge fan of boston um what's your take on wine occasionally or alcohol um i like it <laughs> i like it uh you know and, and so there's kind of two things I want to say about that. Um, first is that I think that it, I just had this conversation today with a client that I think this is going to sound weird, but I think you should build your weight mastery around getting the most pleasure possible out of the things you like to do. Okay. And so obviously that's around food. So and it sounds weird, but the question, how can I enjoy food in the best way possible? That's how I'm going to lose weight. And you say, well, huh? Because eating like whatever you consider to be the best food you can eat all week. I don't know what that is for me. I think my favorite food is probably pasta. I love, I love pasta and clams. It's one of my favorites, you know, um, love burritos. You know, I love all that stuff. Right. But how can I get the most enjoyment out of it? Well, if I eat it every night of the week, that's the most enjoyment. No. Right. Because a, it, it kind of loses some of its pizzazz when you eat it all the time. And second, if I eat it all the time, my weight goes up. I don't feel as good. I'm worried about my health. And there's all the effects of that. And so that's not the most pleasure. So what's the most pleasure? Well, the most pleasure for me is when I eat on Saturday nights once a week, you know, but it's built around pleasure. This is the opposite of how most people approach their weight loss, right? Where it's like, you know, how shitty can I feel? I'm going to deprive myself and can't post ever again. No more carbs, right? So again, I think you should be strategic with your eating, but wine falls into that as well. I don't want to not drink. I, I like drinking. Now I had a problem with drinking right on the edge of being an alcoholic, I would say, um, back 30 years ago. And I didn't want, I just didn't identify as an alcoholic. I just, that's me. Even if people told me I should do it, um, I should say, oh, I'm an alcoholic. I just did not, it didn't feel right. And so I really worked on improving my relationship with alcohol. I know everyone can't do that, but, but I was able to. So again, assuming that you're able to have a healthy relationship with alcohol, um, I think you use it strategically. So for me, you know, I drink Friday and Saturday nights and I drink moderately. You know, that's another piece of the puzzle. Um, but I like it. 
You know, I like drinking. Will I always drink? I don't know. You know what I mean? Is it the best thing? No, I don't think there's much benefits to it. You know, and they're even coming out now, even like the, you know, the glass of wine a day and all that bullshit. You know, obviously having no alcohol is healthier, which speaks to another point that a lot of times we get in such all or nothing thinking. I don't like that shit. I, I like gray thinking and I like to, you know, is sugar good for you? No, but I eat it sometimes. So I'm, I definitely go more towards moderation and that's worked well for me. So yeah, I like drinking wine sometimes. I'll drink some beers on the weekend and um, very moderately. You know, I've really gotten it down so it's very healthy, you know, in terms of what I consider to be healthy at this point. And so that's what I think. Again, it's built around pleasure. And my, so I always say like my goal weight and really anything I wanna do with health even is built around the best quality of life. And so I've done, listen, I'm a certified yoga instructor. And so I already went through this because people say, oh my God, you do yoga and the yogis, the other yogis, like, oh, you drink, you drink alcohol and you're doing yoga. How are you doing that? I said, well, would you rather I drink alcohol and not do yoga? Like, like, hey, what do you want? I don't know. That's just how I was raised and that's how I am. I like drinking. So I build it around that, but I, I want to drink in a moderate way that where I'm not negatively affecting my health. So, so I hope that helps answer that a bit because it's, because what I'm saying, I can't just give you a simple answer because what's behind it is a whole mindset. You know, a mindset that's looking like, what's the best quality of life for me? For me to like never eat sugar, to never eat carbs, to never drink alcohol, maybe I'd be healthier, okay? And I've done that. I've been a raw foodist. I've gone all the way, like, like it's pure health as you can be. And the physical effects were pretty decent. Like I felt good physically, mentally and emotionally. I was just, I was a wreck. Like I was obsessed with food. I was, I was just like, I don't know. I, I didn't like that lifestyle. And so I know this isn't like a popular opinion to say, oh, I'm going to do the thing that's not healthy for me. But I think what people try and do is they, they're all or nothing and they're fucking nothing most of the time. So the people that tell me, oh, you can't do that. Da, da, you know what? Do yourself. There's no right or wrong. It's only what works for you. But I think a lot of people would be better off served with moderation than these, these you know, these bright lines of what they can and can't do. So, so I don't know. I'm going off a little bit of a tangent here, but that's my my take on it. Now, again, you have to take it for yourself. If you drink wine occasionally and then you overeat everything, you know, maybe you want to reflect on it. But, um, but even if that's the case, you can work on making it more, uh, moderate and, and, you know, in line with the other goals that you have. Okay. I'm having a problem with sweets. I just want sweets and I don't know how to get rid of that craving. Yeah. Yeah. The sweets, um, two things. The first thing is mindset is I would watch some, watch some documentaries on sugar. Okay, because we live in a culture where we're constantly in obvious and in sneaky ways, we're constantly being conditioned that sugar is benign, a benign thing. You know, it doesn't matter. It's fine. It's just it's kids and fun and youthful and all that. And so it's important, I think, again, because this is a part of, you know, listen, hypnosis is not just going into a trance. Hypnosis is the process of influencing your subconscious mind. So hypnosis is a great way to do it. Like, like going to a trance is a great way to do that. But another great way to do that is watch some documentaries about sugar. Learn what sugar, where it comes from, how it's processed, and what it does inside your body. And what happens is that changes the way that you think about sugar and feel about it. And that'll help you with that. And then the other thing is to begin cutting down the sugar because I always think like, like I don't eat much sugar, but when I'm gonna eat it, and this week's been one of those weeks, this has been a, an off week for me. There's not been the best eating week for me. And Easter kind of kicked it off. And so I'm eating more sugar than I typically do. But when I eat sugar in my mind, I know that every time I eat sugar, it's sugar cravings on layaway. You know, more sugar, you know, sugar begets more sugar. And so if you can cut the sugar down, that's another step, you know, because I, I, it don't take us the wrong way, but a lot of times people come in and say like, oh, how do I deal with the sugar cravings? 
that's like a cocaine you know someone's with cocaine so how do i deal with these cocaine cravings you, you know well you gotta cut and sugar and cocaine ain't that much different you know in terms of how they impact our mind so um i think it's important to look at sugar for what it truly is and then to moderate it because the, the more you're able to kind of cut sugar down the less cravings you will have for it all right um that's good i love joining your lives you're so helpful thanks for being here for us thank you i appreciate that victoria um, is replacing eating with other activities that release dopamine a good tactic long-term as well? Yeah, of course. Um, I just made a video on this. Yeah, I would say a huge part of my weight mastery strategy is hobbies. You know, I play guitar. I love reading. I love drawing. I mean, I, I literally I could fill up a, a whole day with, with stuff I love to do and want to do. And so, yeah, because, like, you know, what? I, this is literally the video I just, I just recorded this. It'll be up within a couple of days. But people say, oh, I'm bored of meeting. That's the problem. You know, what do I do? Like you do some more interesting things in your life. <laughs> I don't want to sound like an asshole, but it's like, you know what I mean? It's, it's like we've gotten to the point we're so conditioned the society to use food um, as our entertainment, you know, as our source of pleasure, as our source of enjoyment. And it's a low, shitty quality level of enjoyment and pleasure. It really is compared to like hobbies or, you know, systematically getting better at something where you feel an implicit intrinsic sense of, you know, accomplishment and, and success. So yeah, doing other activities that genuinely make you feel good yeah, that, that's a great way um, to, to get dopamine and to, um, yeah, replace it with eating. Because if you're just eating for entertainment, don't tell me it's fun. You know what I mean? It's fun sometimes. But when you look at, when you zoom out, look at your life and see yourself eating every night, snacking every night in front of the TV, you, that's my fly on the ceiling technique. Imagine you're a fly on your ceiling looking down at yourself day after day after day after day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year after year after year, after year, after year eating this shit. Is that really pleasurable? Is that really entertainment? It feels like entertainment when you're doing it, but when you take a step back and look at it from a different angle, is that really the entertainment you want to have in your life? Like the primary source? Again, I'm not saying it, it, it can be one source. Sometimes that's healthy. That's fine. But all the time. So, you know, yeah. Replacing with other things, I think is a great idea. Hey, hello from Malta. Hey, Claudine. Um, which wine or alcohol is better if you're watching your weight? Uh, I would say wine's probably the best one. Uh, you know, beer, it, you know, it's the carbs and all that stuff. You feel bloated and all that. Um, but, but probably wine, you know, but I don't know if it's for each person, but wine, wine seems like the one I would do. Um, you know, it, but again, you got to check it out. You know what I mean? It's up to you. Play with them a little bit if you want. Um, I don't really like alcohol. I don't really like liquor. You know, I, I love beer and wine a lot. You know, I could drink every day and I have. <laughs> You know, so even when I was moderating my alcohol, I was drinking a beer every day, you know, and so I've stopped that. And it's really just on the weekends now. Um, but yeah, I, I would say wine probably is the one I would suggest over all of them. What do you think about intermittent fasting? 16, 8, I'm doing that and I'm feeling better. Um, I think it's it's okay as long as it's feeling you're feeling better and it's not that hard. What I find with people with intermittent fasting is they, like every diet, they start out strong because they're excited and, you know, fired up about it. And as it goes on, it gets harder and harder to those 16-hour, you know, periods of time not eating. And so I regularly, if you want to know the truth, um, a lot of clients I work with come in, they're intermittent fasting, and they say, well, I'm intermittent fasting, so what's your big challenge? I'm binging. You know, when, when, I, when I do eat, I'm, I'm kind of eating way too much. And so, okay, what, what could be doing that, you know? Well, it's because you're starving. You know what I mean? You get really hungry. So I would, you know, listen, intermittent fasting, A, I like it, okay? I like, I intermittent fast, my version of it. So I don't know if technically it's intermittent fasting, but I don't, I stop eating six to seven at night. I start eating the next day, seven to eight, pretty much every day. And so 
I love that. It makes me feel good. It's a vacation for my body. It, 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 everything feels good about that. And I love it. It's easy for me to do now. Okay, it took some work, but now it's very easy for me to do and I love it. I did feel great, I feel good. Um, I find sometimes though, if I had an extra four hours on there and now I don't wait till noon, one o'clock, and I've done that, A, I start to feel kind of tired and, and kind of sluggish in the morning, me personally, and then I get really hungry. And so by the time I start eating, I just want to eat the whole time. So that's me. So I guess what I'm saying is start thinking more holistically because I, li I literally just had this uh, conversation with a client yesterday where they were, they were binging in the afternoon. And a big part of that is because they were really hungry. And so this past week, they started having a smoothie for breakfast, a really healthy smoothie. And they felt way better in the afternoon. They stopped binging completely. So you, we can't just say, this is that diet mentality. Like we're just going to, listen, every diet is one tactic, okay? And they do that because they know people are overwhelmed and frustrated and don't know where to start. So they just like, it's like a carnival game. They're like, oh, just do this one thing. Just do this one thing. Just do this one thing. And um, that's bullshit. Your weight, I always say this, people think of their weight almost like it's a bank account, like debits and credits. Your weight is way more like the stock market. It's complex and comprehensive. Now, I don't say this to freak you out. Um, because there's a lot of easy solutions when you think this way too, but there's no one tactic. You know, if you're just going to intermittent fast, it, it probably won't last. It just, I don't mean to sound like an asshole and I'm not trying to be negative, but, but usually if you approach intermittent fasting, when I did it, I never, it was, wasn't called intermittent fasting. I didn't want to snack at night. And so I started really focusing on that. And so it naturally just became, I didn't eat for 12, 14 hours a day. Okay. And, um, but it wasn't about like, oh, I just got to stop eating for this time. I'm telling you the framing of it's very different. So when I see people approaching intermittent fasting as a diet, you know, again, you already think of it temporary anyways. And, um, again, if it works for you, great. Okay. But if you're struggling with it, if you feel like you're really hungry and it's getting harder and harder to do it, uh, yeah, it's not going to last long. And again, you got to expand your mind. You need a more holistic approach. You know, this idea that you're just going to intermittent fast, or just going to cut carbs, or you're just going to count your points. We're just going to not eat low fat, you know, whatever. It's always like the one tactic. And I think what you want to do is kind of pull from that, um, pull from different things and create your own plan. Again, in my program, we come up with a, your own personalized mindset blueprint, lifestyle blueprint, and ultimately eating blueprint. And I make a pyramid shape because mindset's the foundation, lifestyle's above that, and then under eating. And so most people just focus on their eating. And so, yeah, here you are. I'm just going to intermittent fast. That's the only thing you're doing. What have you done for your mindset? What have you done for your lifestyle? You haven't changed any of those things and you're just trying to intermittent fast, most likely, you'll do it for a couple of weeks at most. Again, I don't want to sound like an asshole, but I'm preparing you for that, okay? Because a lot of people get in their diet trance and say, no, everything's going great. I'm doing, I'm doing, doing, doing. and then they're not doing it. Because the worst thing I can ask someone who's in a diet that's been doing it for a couple of weeks and they're getting some results, and they say, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you lose the weight? What are you going to do if you make a mistake? I don't want to hear that. Right. And so you got to prepare for that because you got to make a mistake. And if it's getting harder and harder, it ain't going to get easier. So instead of just like, because that's what I always get. You could see it on um, my YouTube channel. I did a coaching call with Shay, C-H-E-Z. And she was on eight weeks. When I talked to her, she was eight weeks in on keto and fat, intermittent fasting. And she'd lost 20 pounds. And you would think she'd be over the moon. She was not. She was stressed out, white knuckling it. She was getting wobbly with it. I don't know how much longer I can do this. So it might be an interesting call for you to watch if you want to see that. So what I'm saying is, though, what most people do is they get to that point, they lost some weight, they're excited, but they can't, the motivation's disappearing, they can't keep it up. 
and they don't want to think about what else they can do because they just want to try and hold on to this as long as they can. And next thing they know, they, they, you know, the next thing you know, you wake up, you're like, oh shit, I haven't been doing it for a week. Oh shit, now it's been a month. Oh, it's been, a, I got to start that again. You know, so, so again, I'm just letting you know that side of it too. You know, start asking those questions now though. Um, well, Ranger, what are your thoughts on dairy and inflammation? Uh, I think exactly what you said. I think they cause inflammation. <laughs> I don't eat dairy. Um, I eat a little bit of dairy. Again, like I was saying earlier, I'm a big fan of moderation. I think dairy is disgusting, you know, personally, and yet I still eat cheese here and there. Um, but it's gross. You know, I mean, I always say this, that like, who, who's the first person that looked at a cow and said, I want to drink that milk? I mean, how'd you explain that to your tribe mates? Do you know what I mean? Like, like I always, I made a video on this one, right? But it's like, you love milk so much. It's like, how about, you want some dog milk? Right? You want some pig milk? Want some human milk? I mean, you're a human, right? All that stuff seems disgusting to you, but cow milk seems great. But again, that's a, that's an example of hypnosis, right? Doesn't make any logical sense, but you're like, yeah, cow milk's good. The rest of this shit's gross, right? It doesn't make any logical sense, but that's what you feel. And so I'm sitting here saying dairy's gross, and I, I think it is, and I think it's inflammatory. Because you know what? You ain't a baby cow. Are you a baby cow that wants to triple its size? <laughs> like, right? You probably want to lose weight. Yeah, so it's like, you're drinking this high-calorie liquid, you know, and, and by the way, never mind just the fact that it's it's cow milk from a cow teat, um, which it's funny because it just it doesn't even impact you because you're just used to it now. And I'm joking because again, I I drink I I eat cheese. I I do not drink milk anymore, um, you know. But I do eat cheese here and there. So I'm, I'm busting my own shops here. But it is funny. Um, but yeah. If you want to lose weight, you know, milk's probably not a good idea. You know, it wouldn't be the first thing I'd suggest because the inflammation and uh, the calories in it, you know, and your body isn't good at measuring liquid calories because think about the natural environment that we evolved in. There was no liquid, cal liquid calories. I mean, you had liquid calories when you were a baby. You know what I mean? Until <laughs> whatever, five years old, three years old, however long you breastfed for. Um, but that was it. What other liquid calories did you have? Right? So your body's not good at measuring. So those calories, man, are, are the worst because you're getting the calories and getting really not much of the satiety. So, yeah, I would definitely work to to limit limit and lower uh, dairy, definitely, if you want to lose weight. <laughs> Here goes Vicky. I have is not a diet. It's a pattern of time-restricted eating and it's clinically proven health benefits. I agree, Vicky. But listen, every diet says that same shit. Every diet, you know what I mean, has got, um, you know, clinically proven things, you know? And so again, I, I, I like intermittent fasting. I think it's fine, but I do think some people use it like a diet, you know, I, and there's no question about it because I talk to them and they are using it like a diet. Again, I intermittent fast and I love it. So here I am saying two different things in a way. So I guess I'm saying it's the mindset of how you approach it, you know? So I like intermittent fasting as, as a tool, um, but I also know that sometimes, literally, I literally had this call yesterday where last week we talked, she goes, I'm getting so hungry in the afternoon, I can't control my eating. I said, well, what's going on? What are you doing for breakfast? I don't eat breakfast. I'm intermittent fasting. Okay, but you're really hungry in the afternoons. You can't do it. Is, can we tweak that a little bit? Can you try doing something in the morning different? Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll have a smoothie. And she gets on this week. And she goes, geez, I wish I realized that earlier. Because listen, we all do this. We, in our minds, if we're going to follow intermittent fasting, you got to buy into it. You know what I mean? Because it's a, it's a big change in how you're living and eating. And so I remember I did this with raw foods. I was like, yeah, raw foods are the healthiest thing. Natural enzymes, break the food. That's what I got to do. And again, I felt pretty good doing it. So I would equate this with intermittent fasting. There was all the benefits of raw food. It made a lot of sense to me, all of that. But when I took a step away from my beliefs in it, in my, my obsession with that, I realized that I was obsessed with food. And I 
was constantly, constantly thinking about food. I was constantly hungry. I constantly wanted to eat other stuff. So mentally and emotionally, it was not a healthy place for me to be. And I think a lot of people can get in that mindset. So again, I'm not saying fasting is bad. I am saying if you're doing it and you're feeling wobbly and it's getting it's harder for you, then I would suggest that you play with some of the parameters of it, you know? Um, intermittent fast for 12 hours, you know what I mean? And so anyways, that, that's what I was gonna say with that. But, but I agree with you, Vicky, I, I get that. But I also know that some people approach it in a way where it feels like a diet and it's actually causing other problems. Because this person, you know, all of a sudden they got, so they have no, no eating until 12 o'clock, right? And they're so hungry by 12 o'clock that now they're eating like shit the rest of the day, okay? And so you say, well, that's not what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I get it, but, but they're so hungry they can't stop it. So what do you wanna do, you know? They're really hungry and it's hard to eat well. And so she starts having a, a jam-packed smoothie for breakfast. And now she's not hungry in the afternoon and now she's easily able to eat a lot better. So again, I'm not saying which is right or wrong, but I'm saying there's two different consequences from two different behaviors and which one's gonna serve you better long-term, you know? Um, the other thing you wanna watch out with intermittent fasting is uh, the moral licensing, the licensing effect, that when we do something virtuous and good, like not eat for 16 hours, you literally, and I know you don't believe me, but you literally become blind or less aware of what you're eating those other eight hours. Okay, so I'm not saying it's 100%, but I'm saying it's a, there's a good chance. This is a scientifically proven thing, okay? Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, someone says, yes, thank you. I just discovered you and I have an issue with succeeding and it also controls my weight loss. How can I change this? Thank you from New York, Long Island. All right, Kat. Um, yeah, an issue with succeeding. Yeah, for sure. Most people have an issue with succeeding about weight loss because you you don't like being overweight, but you're familiar with it. You, you know what I mean? And your brain's a prediction mechanism. And in order to predict the most effective way, it wants to maintain the status quo. So you don't like being overweight, but you're familiar with it. And the idea that you're gonna be this completely different person, which you're gonna be, if you get to your goal weight, it's not just that you're gonna get to your goal weight, you're gonna eat different, you're gonna think different, you're gonna feel different, you're gonna be a different person. You're gonna be a different person in the world. And so it changes up the status quo. It feels like chaos subconsciously. And so that's why I always say, most people are fixated on weight loss I just want to lose weight, I just want to lose weight, I just want to lose weight. But they're always referencing their overweight self and not being that. Very rarely are they saying, who am I as a thin, healthy person? What would I be like? What would my identity be as a thin, healthy person? In my program, that's the first thing we work on, your self-image. Who do you want to be? And we build on that from the beginning. I can't tell you, and you won't believe me, I've done over 5,000 private weight loss sessions, and in all of those, I say, because every single time, it's, they've, they've lost the weight at some point and put it back on. You probably have as well. And I say, well, what happened? Why'd you lose the weight and put it back on? And the answer is always some form of, I didn't feel like myself. Exactly. You didn't feel like yourself because you as a thin, healthy person in the world, unless you've experienced that for some period in your life, you used to be thinner, then that's a different story. But if you've been overweight for a long time, you don't even, you can't even think of yourself as a thin, healthy person right now. And that's part of the process. That's why I say my, my approach is an inside out approach to weight mastery. And the first thing we're doing is you defining who you wanna be as a thin, healthy person. And you've got to define that and you've got to develop and work on being that version of yourself, right? And you rarely are. So it, it's important that, that you make that part of the process because Kat, exactly what you said, you have an issue with succeeding. Everyone does. You may not realize you don't think about it that way, but I promise everyone has, a, has an issue with succeeding because succeeding is something, it's, you don't even know what it looks like, what it feels like. And, in, and on top of that, you think succeeding is constantly being on a diet and depriving yourself. 
because you think of weight loss as a shitty, hard, difficult deprivation process, you know, and it needs to be a different process as well. So yeah, you're right on the money, Kat. What I would suggest, go, you know, in, in this, if you're on YouTube, you can go into the description. There's a link to get a hypnosis session. If you're on uh, TikTok, you can go to my bio, get that hypnosis session and listen to that. But more importantly, is as soon as you sign up for that session, it takes a couple minutes to send it to you, you'll be brought to a page where there's a training, three steps to master your weight. Watch that training. It's about a half hour long. And um, that will give you a lot more context to what we're talking about. Yeah, and at the end of that, I tell you about my program and give you a special offer if you wanna really be serious about your weight. Um, I really like healthy food, but I'm so lazy to prepare it and that's why I choose the easiest way. I get that, Christina, that's true. And that's part of the process as well. You know, People never really take into account the logistics of eating healthy. You know, there's like, I just got to eat healthier. Yeah, bullshit. You got to learn how to source that food and have it there at the right times. That's a whole half of the process. And people never get good at that. So yeah, you're right. Now I'm a lazy person. I'm a lazy person. And that's what I built my weight loss around. And so if you watch like my salad video, that's a that's an example of that. My lazy thinking is got me like, I'll just make salads on Monday and I'll just eat them for lunch because I don't want to think about food. Um, so I get what you're saying, but don't accept that bullshit. The stuff you're eating, it's not easier to eat the lazy stuff. It's just, there's that initial phase where you have to learn how to eat healthy stuff. It, 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 like learn how to source it, prepare it, and then eat it and remind yourself to do all those things. That's the hard part. But if you can get through that phase, that phase, and that's why I always say, you know, listen, the worst thing I ever seen is people that are like, that, like a weight loss plan, it's like, oh, here's your meal plan. I got one. I got one of these somewhat recently. It's a meal plan. It's a month meal plan to lose weight, right? And I look at this thing and it is, it's a different meal every breakfast, lunch, and dinner for 30 days. That's 90 fucking meals of brand new eating and sourcing and making. I was like, oh my God, who, who would ever do this? You know what I mean? I'm like, no way. I'm so lazy. I'm so lazy. I eat the same breakfast Monday through Friday. I ate the same lunch Monday through Thursday. And then, you know, dinner, we mix it up each night, but it's pretty much week to week, kind of the same stuff. And um, that's how lazy I am. And so, yeah, the, the part that takes energy is, is learning how to eat in a new way, learning how to prepare new foods and how to source them. Um, but understand that once you do that, you know, then you get into being lazy as well. I'm lazy as shit. I'm on autopilot with my eating. You know what I mean? I just, I get the stuff, make it, and it's there for me because I've, I've put it on autopilot. But yeah, you're right. Um, it, it, that's a big part of it, you know, because if you're lazy, you know, you, you got to get through that. Uh, oh, oh, let me see. Yeah, if you got any questions, feel free to ask them. Uh, and I think about the way that I want to look, but my brain says, eat, if you're going to eat it, you're going to fail again. Yeah, yeah, Christine, I get that. That's where most people, everyone that starts my program, it's like, um, usually they're, they're in their mid 40s, at least 50s, 60s, because by that point, you've gone through so many diets and, it's not the diets that you failed at, it's the diets you've succeeded with and then failed at that really stick with you. And what happens is you create this subconscious belief that, that they don't work. And so most of the time when people get to me, they can't even get themselves started because exactly what you said, because in the back of their mind, like, what's the point? Even if it works, it doesn't work. You know, so why should I put that effort in just to feel really discouraged and disappointed? And um, that's why I say, you know, the first initial goal you got to shift up is that you don't want to lose weight you want to get to your goal weight and live there for the rest of your life on near autopilot. It's a completely different goal and it orients you 
towards long-term success, which you're never thinking about. You're just thinking about the weight loss. And because you're only thinking about weight loss, you think of it as a temporary thing, and that causes you to choose extreme plans that are unsustainable because you just want to lose the weight as quick as you can, and then you'll figure it out. But you won't figure it out. <laughs> and so you want to start from day one. Instead of doing everything perfect on day one, do things a little bit better so that it's manageable and not this overwhelming thing. And then day two, you do things a little bit better. You know what I mean? And just keep, it's incremental improvement, building up a way of thinking, feeling, living, and eating that maintains your natural goal weight. But it's a process, it's a development. It's like learning the piano. It's like learning a language. You don't just learn the piano. You don't just sit there, you know what I mean? Download it like Neo in the Matrix. You don't just like learn a language. But when it's a diet, what are you doing on day one? Oh, I'm perfect. I'm, per I'm perfect now. I'm just gonna be perfect until I get to my goal weight. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not gonna do that. It doesn't work, right? <laughs> That's why all you're here, because it, it's not working. So I'm trying to tell you. Ah, Vicky says, come on, cheese is life. I like cheese. Like I said, I, I like cheese. I'm sitting here busting, you know, milk's chops. But, uh, you know, yeah, but again, it is what it is, you know. So it's like there's a lot of things in our life. There's a lot of money being made off of us being overweight, unhealthy, and unhappy. And a lot of money of us eating things that are not necessarily good for us, you know. And, and again, I, I think dairy within reason is fine. You know, but I, I can't, I gotta look this number up, but America anyways, they have such an overabundance of milk um, that they needed to increase the cheese consumption and they sure did it. The last 20 years increase in cheese consumption, I, I can't remember the numbers now, but it was, it, it was unbelievable. It was almost a doubling, I believe, of, of cheese consumption. And so what I'm trying to say is the amount of cheese you think you should eat, the amount of protein you think you need is way exaggerated because there's a lot of money off of you Eating, eating cheese and drinking dairy, consuming dairy and consuming meat, you know, amongst other things, right? But those are the big ones. And uh, so, you know, you got to reprogram yourself, you know, because society's programming to be overweight. It's not at har hard at all. Your body gets used to it. You let, wait, it's not hard at all. Your body gets used to it. I eat very healthy. Great. Super. Yeah. So that's, I think they were the intermittent fasting, right? Yeah. Intermittent fasting. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it's not hard at all for you. You know what I mean? Like, that's great. That's what you got to remember too, everyone. You know, this is what's happening is that with, with weight loss, right? So, so my core, core, core philosophy of weight loss is that there's no right or wrong. There's only what works for you. You need to create your own plan. Okay. Because what if like, I'll tell like vegetarian, I'm, I'm a vegetarian, I'm a pescatarian technically. Okay. So I eat a little bit of fish here and there, but I'm, I'm pretty much a vegetarian. Um, but and I used to eat meat every single day, multiple times a day for the first 20 years of my life. Okay. Every single day I, I was meat based and I, and I liked it enough, you know, but then, you know, in my, my mid twenties, I started getting exposed to vegetarian and it just, it just appealed to me. And I, I almost think of it. I'm not saying this is like this for everyone, but for me, it almost felt like, like your sexuality. It just felt like that's what I was. And it was very easy for me to transition to be a vegetarian. It wasn't like, Oh, I can't eat meat. Oh, I really want to eat it, but I shouldn't do it. There was none of that. I just, I just liked being a vegetarian. It just felt like who I was. So you have to understand that like when someone's telling you how they lost weight, if it works for you and it resonates with you, great, do it, okay? But what's happening with most people is you're trying to force yourself to follow someone else's fucking weight loss plan and it's not meant for you. They don't know you, you don't know them, and you're just trying to live like they're living? Like it's crazy. So for this person, intermittent fasting seemed easy for them. Great, intermittent fast. That makes a lot of sense for you. But if you're a person who tried intermittent fast and you keep struggling with it, and you keep binging when you're not fasting and it's a struggle, that's not the only way to lose weight. And that's the problem. People go into one diet, it fails, they're done. 
Next diet, do it for a little while, fails, it's done. Next diet, and you just have a whole lifetime of that, okay? So what I do is I follow the Jeet Kune Do, which is Bruce Lee's martial art. And the philosophy was he'd study any fighting system. He'd study fencing, boxing, um, kung fu, anything. He would take what works, discard the rest. And so I'm suggesting to you is that you build your weight mastery approach around you, around you. Take what works. You know, I love, I, I'm a vegetarian. I, I like keto in the sense that I like that it, the focus on re, getting rid of refined carbs. Because I think, yeah, there's too much refined carbs in the American diet. It's the number one source of calories for um, Americans is baked goods, you know? So yeah, it's a problem. So I, I like that part of it. I don't think you gotta be in ketosis. You know what I mean? Like, like that was a diet made for epileptics. I don't know. You have to show me. I don't know who, who, what, what society is living in a state of constant ketosis. You know what I mean? So I, I think the diets kind of take things a little too far a lot of times. And I think we try and fit, a, you know, the round peg into a, a square hole and it doesn't work. And I think if you start to realize, you know, I'll take a little bit of intermittent fasting. I like the 12, 14 hours of not eating. That works for me. Again, it wasn't intermittent fasting. It just is what it is now. Vegetarian, I kind of like that, but I like eating some fish. You know, I don't really like eating dairy, but I eat some cheese here and there, you know? So I think that as you start to build up your own plan, what happens is you keep moving forward because what most likely is happening to you is you're, you're doing one plan for a couple of weeks and then you're not doing it. Do another plan for a couple of days, then you're not doing it. And, and it's like, you're just always starting from scratch from the starting point, you know? You gotta keep moving yourself down the line, you know? I think that's a better way. Uh, Yvonne says, portions in America are huge. I'm glad I don't live there. Yeah, portions are enormous, enormous. And everything's relative. So yeah, um, you know, people say, oh, I, why, what's going on with the obesity epidemic? I mean, the simplest thing I've seen is that average calories per day has gone way up, like by 700 calories, you know, over the last 20, 30 years. So yeah, huge, huge portions. If you eat out, you know what I mean? Especially at fast food places, they're the, the number one thing. And all the snack food and the processed food. So again, the less processed food you eat, obviously the easier it is to master your weight, you know? And the more processed food you eat, the harder it is. <laughs> Any recipe ideas as a vegetarian? I have no idea what to eat, but want to give it a try. That's a great point. I'm going to start making more stuff like that because I realized that the other day that there's a huge vacuum in your head about how to eat like a vegetarian. The biggest thing, let me just, because the biggest thing, and I, was, I remember I experienced this too. You've lived in such a meat-centric world that the idea of not having meat is like scary and weird to you. There's a vacuum of like, well, what would I eat? And then you're worried about the protein. Don't be worried about the protein. You've never known anyone with a protein deficiency. You've never even had a protein deficiency test. You don't even know anyone who's ever had a protein deficiency test. <laughs> so don't worry so much about the protein. That's not necessarily a real thing. That's something that was exaggerated to sell you more meat. Okay. Um, and so what do you eat as a vegetarian? Uh, I would start slow. I would start with breakfast. You know, breakfast is pretty easy to be a vegetarian. It's a smart move, you know. Um, recipes, though, I'll, I'll have to think about it. But, you know, you can pretty much make anything, you know, into a vegetarian restaurant. Just, just take the, the meat out and replace it with beans. You know, it's a simple thing. But obviously, there's a lot more to that. Let me think about that, and I'll, I'll put some stuff up about it. Um, I think he says never heard of vegetarianism be like it a sexuality. I, I don't know though. That's, I'm just that's the most thing it feels like me because it was never it never felt like a decision I made and like kept working on. It just felt like once I really like I, I, and I was doing a lot of yoga at the time too. I think that that brought me in that direction. But it just felt like I just fell into it almost. You know what I mean? Like some things are like that. So um, yeah, because I, I see some people like they want to be just like I gotta. I just want, I don't want to eat meat. It's so bad. I don't want to eat it. I, I just, I didn't feel that way, which I think speaks to something else too, because I think a lot of times when we want to do something, if you feel like you're forcing yourself to do it, or you're trying to get yourself to do it, but you're fighting against yourself, 
that always to me is kind of a sign that you're incongruent, that there's a conscious subconscious incongruency. And so um, I think that if you feel that, I like to go, I, I go rooting for the, the subconscious incongruency and resolving that. Because once it's resolved and you're, you're congruently going the same direction, uh, things become a lot easier. All right. Uh, that's funny. We could never heard that. I know. That's a funny one, right? No one ever says that. So I think that's so funny. Um, so, yeah. All right, everyone. I'm going to get out of here. I got a, got a, a call coming up here. Uh, coaching call. So, yeah, again, anyone, if, uh, you know, if you're watching my videos, thank you. You can watch my videos on TikTok. Uh, YouTube has uh, my podcast. Uh, program yourself to the podcast on the podcast platforms. YouTube has a bunch of videos that aren't even just weight loss. There's hypnosis stuff there, different other topics as well, but but also a lot of weight weight loss. Um, and uh, what, what I would suggest mostly is, again, make sure you go and get that hypnosis session and uh, watch that training that follows it, okay, because... Uh, It'll put you on a different path because, again, you, you you probably only think like a diet or only know about dieting in terms of weight loss. And so that training will give you a different paradigm, you know, to be able to think about mastering your weight. Um, and it, it could be the paradigm shift that changes everything for you. OK, so if you're kind of struggling with the weight, um, go do that. All right. And again, if you're really serious, you know, go join the program. But all right, everyone, have a super day and we'll talk soon. Bye.